knowing what you believe and why you believe it lies at the very heart of Christian experience, worship, and everyday living. The Bible's not about you. You're not David. Trouble in life is not Goliath. Jesus is going to be David in the shadow. Goliath is going to be sin and death. Who's that make you? Uh, and it doesn't make you the Israelites in the corner going, he's going to kill all of us. That's exactly who you are. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I, with body and soul, life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Gospel is that God the Son freely agreed to die our death for us, to suffer our deserved condemnation and doom in our place. And he didn't just agree from eternity to do it, he actually did it. It is fatal, fatal for us to think that we can ever move on from the gospel. The great problem in the evangelical church today where the scripture is concerned, there's not the inerrancy of the Bible. The great problem in the evangelical church today is the sufficiency of scripture. We don't think it's sufficient to do what we have to do. So we have to wake up what's happening and recognize that the problem really is our lack of theology. Hi and welcome to Theology Gals. I am Colleen Sharp and my co-host is Ashley Glasick. And Ashley, this week I went back and listened to a couple of our old podcasts and I was like, wow, oh yeah, we used to say that. Oh yeah, we used to say that. And I used to say, this is a podcast by women for women. <laughs> like, we don't say that anymore. No, we dropped that tagline. Yeah. We're a yeah, podcast by women on Reformed Theology. There you go. I, I feel like our tagline should be, we're a podcast by women for whoever wants to listen. <laughs> whoever wants to listen. Whoever you are, you can listen. You don't have to be a woman. That's um, right. Because we yeah. are podcasters. We are not leaders yeah. in the church. We're not exercising authority. No. I mean, we, we're not even doing a podcast where we're like tearing apart scripture. No. You know, this is, we're... It's we talk about theological topics and church topics and yep. So that reminds me. Um, I w I don't know why I thought about this this week, but I was at a conference like two or three years ago. I actually haven't been to a ton of conferences. I always see these big ones like T4G and I don't know. I can't keep them all straight. There's T's and G's and all of them. Right. Anyways, so I was at a conference and. I remember I was sitting there and I was thinking, there's something this speaker is doing that's bothering me, but I can't figure out what it is. And so it took me a while. I actually like left, went home, and I was like, why, why did what she was saying bother me so much? And I realized what she was doing was almost the whole conference was about like promise, like the promises of scripture and like the benefits of being a Christian, which is like great. You know, there's so many benefits and it was super encouraging. But whenever she would say like, this is what you have, this is what you have as a Christian, she would talk about it, assuming the entire room were Christians. Like she wouldn't, she wouldn't qualify it with like, if you are in Christ, Okay. These are the benefits. And I understand it's a church, it's a conference, it's but I knew people there who, you know, I I, I didn't know where they were at with the Lord, you know. And so she 
she was talking about the promises of Christ, but not, I just felt like she should have taken a second to be like, this is only true if you are in Christ. And I, and I started to notice my, my pastor does that when he's preaching. Um, he, every week we do the assurance of pardon as part of our like liturgy for our service. And he'll always say, if you are in Christ, these are, you know, these are the riches of, of being in Christ, you know, whatever it is that week that he's reminding us of. And I think that's really good. Like, don't you think like you have to do that? Yeah. Well, I would say even more so at a conference that even at, at church, most of the time outside of visitors, at least in our churches, because we go to small churches and our pastors know us, like we have their cell phone numbers. We can text them if we want, you know, we know, and our pastor knows each of us. He knows that we've confessed, we've made professions of faith and, um, but you can have visitors too, or you can have Mm -hmm. children who've not yet come to Christ. Um, But even though that they are part of the covenant community, at least that's what we believe as um, Presbyterians that are, but you're looking at a conference where the speaker is up there and does not probably know even a small percentage of the people that they are speaking to. And I remember the conference that I went to this last year, there was a lot of gospel preaching. It was a very gospel-centered conference because it was on the five solas. So you're going to talk on the five solas. Well, it wasn't just on the five solas. There were some other things in there, but that's some of the stuff that they that was incorporated because it was for the anniversary of the 95 theses being nailed to the door in Wittenberg. And there was a lot of, of gospel, of reminding of the gospel because they actually approached it as we have to assume that there may be people here that do not know Christ. And I think about when I had Scott Keith on and he was talking about how he was at a conference and he was talking about how that conference had a conference chaplain and what a great idea that was. And he said, because if you're preaching the gospel, you're gonna have people that are gonna come to Christ at the conference, mm-hmm. you know? it, And you should, I mean, when you do a conference, you need to assume somebody's brought their friend who maybe says, yeah, I'm a Christian, but really doesn't know Christ yet, that there may be people out there in, in, at a Christian conference. In fact, there most assuredly is who do not know Christ yet. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think, I think if you're, if you're telling people, these are all the blessings you have in Christ, like, I think, I don't actually remember the topic of the conference, but I think it focused on like like moms and like, like how, you know, you don't have to like worry about all these things. I don't know. I'm being very vague, but it's kind of like if people are sitting there who aren't Christian, they're walking away with like a false sense of like security. Right. I mean, well, I, I think that, uh, in, when I've watched some of these videos online, I I was doing some research for our NAR episode that's coming up, and I actually saw some of that. And I wondered, have even these people even? There was a lot of emphasis on the blessings, although it was kind of like if you do this, you'll be blessed, sort of thing. But um, but there was still an emphasis and no emphasis on if you are, you know, talking about the gospel and if you're in Christ and. 
I love the fact that in a lot of the Presbyterian churches that I've been in on and every Sunday you're probably going if if you walk in as a as somebody who maybe grew up in the church thinks you're a Christian, you're probably going to hear the gospel as part mm -hmm. of the sermon. You're yeah. going to hear the gospel as part of the liturgy because there is a reading of the law and the gospel and confession of sin and and pardon and you know it's all all those things are right there but there's a lot of churches where i think that that's the case too yeah yeah i agree well we're going to be getting into a topic today um i have a quick commercial that i told tyler vella who was on our podcast to talk about the calvin Severitus. And, yeah, that whole thing. Um, he's he's got a an event coming up, so we're gonna play a commercial for that. I'll put a link in our episode notes if you guys are interested in that. He's he's a great guy, very smart. And in fact, I just messaged him last night for help on understanding something. So, um, and if you want to link to it, it'll be in our episode notes. It all started with a small time dream: hold a conference in a church. With a small budget, could we afford to bring in a Christian celebrity speaker? And with an ear to hear more than just the same canned messages, do we want to? With these two questions, The Mentionables were born. We found the best under-the-radar Christian apologists that we could find. Writers, podcasters, and bloggers. Their voice was small, but their message was huge. On May 18th and 19th, The Mentionables will be appearing in Greensboro. Head out to Greensboro Christian Church and hear this grassroots phenomena in action, featuring talks and a great debate. Head over to thementionables.org to get your tickets, or call Greensboro Christian Church at 336-621-5226. The Mentionables. Small-time voices, big-time noise. Okay, we are going to be talking today, and it's something that's come up a lot in the group. I think you've probably had people ask you about it too, Ashley. Yes. And, and I think especially because we have a lot of people, or I would say a lot, I was going to say in the group, but I'll just say listeners, who are just now learning Reformed theology. And they're saying, or they're realizing, my church ain't so sound, you know. Mm -hmm. Now, I do want to say I want to do offer this little qualification before we start. We are not people who think that you should quickly desert your church for every little thing. I think there's often a little bit too much church hopping um, mm -hmm. going on. But if you're in a church, if you're in a non-reformed church and you've embraced reformed theology, my encouragement would go talk to a reformed pastor uh, you know, the things that we're going to talk about today, if you find a church that seems sound, go talk to that reform pastor about your situation and he'll offer some wisdom. So I just wanted to offer that. We are not yeah. pastors and we are not telling you desert <laughs> your church. <laughs> yeah, that would be really bad counsel too. Well, before, before we get started, I guess, Ashley, I'd like to ask you this when you, cause I know that you moved up to uh, north of where you lived uh -huh. you and your husband moved north of where you live from from corona and when you got there how did you find a church like because i i know you weren't expecting to end up in the opc no but, but 
What was that like? I, in fact, I had never heard of the OPC. I didn't know. I didn't know what it was. Uh, honestly, I was fortunate to have dear friends that lived there, and they said, "Hey, come to our church. Check it out." And and they were they were like, you know, don't feel pressure. Like you don't need to stay if you don't. It's not for you. Like you guys can go somewhere else. Like we're not pressuring you. But we trusted them. Like they're they'd been our friends for a long time, and so we're like, okay, we'll check out this OPC thing. And thought it was kind of weird at first. And <laughs> they baptized a baby our first Sunday, and we were like, all right, singing out of hymnals, you know. But um, yeah, it we you know it took a couple months, and then it just kind of clicked. And we actually live if you anyone listening lives in the central coast of california there are not a lot of reformed churches so if we would have decided oh we don't want to go here we want to go somewhere else we would have been driving a very good distance um to another church so when we took a motorhome trip from southern california we thought we were going to be in the monterey area for over a Sunday and we like to find churches and wherever we're at. And so I actually, I had actually asked a friend who lived in that area mm-hmm. and uh, that, yeah, there wasn't a lot there and we ended up not being over there, there over a Sunday. Otherwise we may have visited that. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's a great church. If anyone's in the central coast looking for a church, well, you'd have to be pretty close to Monterey. I mean, um, it's pretty spread out in the central coast, but uh but yeah, I mean, we we were lucky. I mean, if you moved somewhere and you didn't know anybody, you wouldn't have that luxury of, hey, you guys are reformed. Where should we go? <laughs> right. You know. So, so you've never had to go through kind of the grueling process of no. finding a church. I mean, th- that's a blessing. I, that's what I really hope for for most people. Um, yeah. Because I, unfortunately, it's not the not the case. Well, I think once you find a denomination that you align with, it becomes much more easy. So you move to a new area, you look for a church in that denomination. If there isn't one, you like look for a similar denomination. But mm-hmm. I was a I was a new Calvinist and was uh, learning Reformed theology, and I was I was pretty much there. And I had moved to Chicago, and by myself, I wasn't married or anything yet. And I needed to find a church, and I pulled it up late last night, this article from a Modern Reformation magazine, I want to say 1994, but I'll have to verify that. It's not available unless you subscribe to um, Modern Reformation, unfortunately. But it was an article by Michael Horton called, I think it was called How to Find a Church. Let me let me grab it up. But I that article helped me so much, and I followed that article. And I actually, we didn't have internet back then. So I looked up, oh, it's called Finding a Church. I, I looked up Presbyterian in the yellow pages. And that's how I ended up at the RPCNA. Huh. But I did, I did call a couple, I did call a few pastors though and asked them some questions that um, Michael Horton talked about on that, on that article. So we're going to kind of talk about some of the same things he does. So one, one thing I know I hear a lot are marks of a true church. What, what are those marks? Did he mention those in, in his article? That 
that's that is pretty much the beginning of the article. And so for those not familiar, as far as I know, this this is a fairly recognized in Reformation theology. I believe Lutherans may embrace it. I have to check on that one. But I know most Reformed do, and that is the marks of the true church. And the Belgic Confession actually addresses that. So I was going to read just right from the Belgic Confession. There's three marks of a true church, and this is from um, Article 29. The true church is to be recognized by the following marks. It practices the pure preaching of the gospel. It maintains the pure administration of the sacraments as Christ instituted them. It exercises church discipline for the correcting and punishing sins. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of churches do not do that third one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're calling churches, looking at things, I think you want to know if they do practice church discipline. I mean, if you visit, you're going to find out about the preached word and, mm-hmm. and the gospel. And you want to find out if they're administering the sacraments correctly. And there's going to be differences on among us on what we mm-hmm. see as correct correctly but right yeah church discipline is very important i think most churches just do not practice it yeah yeah and um one thing that could be helpful too is if you're looking at a church's website and they it says uh, you know most churches have a statement of faith it says we adhere to the westminster confession of faith or we adhere to the 1689 london baptist confession that's super helpful because you're like, oh, I know exactly what you guys hold to, you know, if you're if you're familiar with with those confessions. Yeah. Or the three forms of unity. Uh-huh. You know, it's another one. And so even if they aren't affiliated, you're going to know we're going to talk about denominations a little bit later, but you're going to certain denominations do hold to certain confessional standards. So you'll know immediately you see it in URC down the street. You're going to know that they do hold to the three forms of unity, which is the Heidelberg Catechism, Canons of Dort, and the the Belgic Confession. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one thing, it, the Belgic Confession goes on to say it governs itself according to the pure word of God. Is it speaking to ecclesiology there? Like how they? Yeah, I am not. I'm no expert on the Belgian Confession. <laughs> okay. I'm just now. I'm. I'm just now starting to study it. So that's how I got this. I'm. I mean, I've studied the Heidelberg Catechism. We were so we were part of a two-year study, and yeah. So I may have to do a okay. little research. Maybe one of our listeners can. Yeah, write us, write us in. I'll, yeah. I just have to ask our Scott Clark. Okay. <laughs> Rejecting all things contrary to it, and regarding Jesus Christ as the only head. Um, so it, it might refer to several things there, possibly. Yeah. So. But wouldn't you say it's important to check? I mean, church government is really important. Yes. Like it, like you would want to ask, do you guys have a plurality of elders? Like, That's important. Because even you, if you believe in a congregational system or a Presbyterian form of government, uh-huh. a plurality of elders still needs to be there. Yeah. Like, how do you guys settle matters? Do you have a... Do you have a constitution or a book of church order that, you know, kind of organizes? Because um, if it's just the pastor running the show, that's a red flag. <laughs> right, right. Um, and I remember when I went to that RPCNA that I visited uh, th- that first week, the pastor gave me a, the, he had put together these like small three ring binders that had 
the Westminster Standards and the Book of Church Order in them. And wow. so he gave me one of those because he asked me if I had read them, if I was familiar. He gave, he said, we like all, you know, everyone to have one of these. I want you to have one. Mm -hmm. And he gave me um, a book of Psalms for singing, which is the Psalter that they were using. And I thought that was so neat, you know, because mm -hmm. I, I was only visiting, like I did come back. I, you know, I ended up there for a couple of years, but I was only visiting and he gave me those things. He was, he was such a good pastor. Actually, mm -hmm. so. But if they practice discipline, how do they practice discipline? Cause what Ashley said is important in Presbyterian churches. It outlines how discipline is to be practiced in our book of church order. Mm -hmm. So where, if they're just say, yeah, yeah, we discipline people. If they don't have anything lined lined up, it's, it's going to be a mess. It's yeah. not going to, it's not going to go well. And that's one of those things that probably isn't spelled out on their website. Um, unless they are like a Presbyterian church, but if it's like a non-denominational church or I don't know, just another type of, you know, Baptist church or something like on their website, it might not, it might not be clear how they practice discipline. So you, you probably have to investigate that a little bit um, to figure that out. Yeah. And I would say that whenever possible, if you're looking at a church, call the pastor and see if you can meet with him and have your list of questions down. And I, I always encourage that. I know that's hard if you're, if it's a church with several thousand, but in a lot of Reformed and Presbyterian churches, that won't be the case. But try to meet with a pastor or elder and, and have a list of questions that you do ask. Yeah. Um, we had someone come to our church just this week, and they're, like, committed, like they already want to stay, which is awesome. And what they had done is they called the White Horse Inn, and they said, hey, do you do you know of any churches in, in my town? They're like, well, we don't have a list, but we actually know there's an OPC um, in Corona. And so he didn't know what OPC meant. Um, he got on the internet and found us, found my pastor, called him that Monday and was there by Sunday. So he <laughs> he really did his, you know, due diligence to, to figure out, you know, what, what the church was about and um, he said he even called the OPC headquarters in wow. Philadelphia and asked them to explain to him what the OPC was. I was like, wow, that is like, you probably know more about the OPC than we do. And we've been here for a <laughs> while. So I was really impressed by how how much effort he put into to finding us. And, and yeah. I was glad that he was there. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's great. I, I love that story. I know that I... My brother-in-law used to work for the White Horse Inn, so I know that they get those those phone calls. And mm -hmm. I'm I actually even wrote them <laughs> back in 1994 and asked them if they knew any churches in my area. Yeah, Michael Horton actually personally wrote me back, and this is before Rod before Rod was part of our lives. But um, <laughs> so it's kind of funny story. And I, there are there are some parachurch organizations that have lists. But I've heard, like, there's one called Nine Marks. I think maybe the Gospel Coalition has a list. They do. But I've heard, and I, I don't know which of those it is, but some of them, all you have to do is sign your church up. It's not like they... Right. It's and not I like they audit. To me. 
Yeah, I think the Gospel Coalition even says that, that yeah. they haven't vetted the churches on the list. So so if you're looking at one of those lists, it, it might lead you to a good church, but just be aware that people can just sign their church up to be on that list without necessarily checking any boxes. Right. Um, so... Yeah, that's it. That I'm glad that you said that because that's actually a good point. Because some people might think I really like this website, so the churches that they have on their site might be trustworthy. Mm -hmm. um, so one question that comes up so often, and I want to dive into it, and that is the difference between, um, you know, foundational issues and secondary issues, and when are the secondary issues important? So. What are foundational issues? Because, and let me tell you one thing that I, I need to say kind of going in is that we have, we do have women in our group who don't have a reformed church near them. Like they're, you know, in the middle of Kansas or something. And the the nearest Presbyterian or reformed church is a couple of hours away. And they're just going, they're going to a Baptist church down the road that's not teaching heresy because it's really their only option right now. You know, they hope yeah. to move and be closer to a good Presbyterian Reformed Church, but it's just not an option right now. The the marks are true church. We do recognize that some non-reformed churches are true churches. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, when my when my pastor prays on Sunday, he'll pray for our denomination and all the churches in our presbytery, and then he'll say, and also I want to pray for every church in our area that is preaching the true gospel and is a true church, um, because it's not just our denomination. There's right. lots of churches, especially in where I live. There's lots of churches yeah. um, that are preaching the gospel, which is great. And we have some women too from other countries. I mean, it's, it's actually truly amazing. In our group, we have a, a group map that a lot of a lot of our women have gone and put a little, put where they live on that map. We've got women from all around the world. And I've talked to some in in countries where they they are just so happy to have a, a church that is preaching the gospel correctly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, but secondary issues are important. So let's talk okay. first about the differences between um, essentials. And so essentials of the Christian faith are things like the deity of Christ and the Trinity and what we believe about the word of God, that it is God breathed. And then the resurrection, resurrection is another one. And so I'll put a, a link to a list of essentials, but those are things that are recognized throughout church history. If you look at the, if you look at the apostles creed, the Nicene creed, it does lay out the, it's essentials of the Christian faith. So many churches can confess the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene mm -hmm. Creed. Um, unfortunately, I think Catholics can too. But, um, but it does outline. But Catholics do do hold to a lot of the essentials. But there's reasons why they are not a true church. They do not believe in justification by faith alone, which yeah. a lot of us would see as an essential. Um, so. That those are the sorts of things that are essentials. Now let's yeah. talk about secondary. Why don't you give some examples of secondary issues? So secondary issues could be I think worship could be secondary, but I also think it could be primary. Um that's what I was thinking as you were talking. Yeah. Because I was thinking of a mega church in my area where I've seen YouTube videos of how they worship. 
And it would literally grieve me to stand there during their worship service the way that they, you know, quote unquote worship. Like it's, it's just so bad. You know what I mean? Right. So it's secondary. Like it's um, not been named in as, as an essential of the Christian faith. No. But it's but an it, important secondary. It's really, really important because like, like I know of people who hold to exclusive psalmody and yet there's not a lot of exclusive psalmody churches. And so they go to a PCA or, you know, their local Presbyterian church um, and they just don't sing, you know, certain things. And so they're, they're able to, you know, happily attend that church um, because it is a secondary issue. Um, so, but right. They like, can't you know, in good conscience participate in the right. things that you think are not correct. Yeah. Well, if you're a Baptist, okay, so baptism would be another secondary issue. We uh -huh. were Baptists in a Presbyterian church. We could not, we did not participate in infant baptism initially. Later mm -hmm. on, we did. Uh, so it was a secondary issue. They were willing. Now, if we said we don't believe in a trinity, we would not have been allowed to join the PCA or the OPC as Baptists. Uh -huh. But because, but we were allowed to join as, right. you know, we had a different view of baptism. Right. And I, I've definitely known, I've known quite a few Baptists to, to attend PCAs or other Presbyterian churches and be fine um, because they agree on almost everything else. Um, so yeah, that's definitely a secondary, secondary issue. Yeah. And eschatology, I think mm -hmm. is definitely, there's a lot of differences among Reformed. Right. Post-mill, A-mill, pre-mill, all that. Yeah. Yeah, you could totally disagree with your pastor even on, oh, I actually don't hold to post-mill, I'm a-mill, <laughs> but I can still, you know, be here in your church and yeah. So, and this is, this is really the big question, when and which secondary issues are important when we're looking for churches? Um, well, it's going to vary from person to person, but for for me uh i would not attend a church that does not hold to the regulative principle of worship it, unless i mean if i was desperate if i was like right, right. i know what you mean though living in another country where you know i my choices are slim but i i wouldn't i wouldn't go to a church that that didn't didn't hold to that and it, it right. is a secondary thing but it's very important yeah, to to me and my husband. So that's one example. What do you have another example? Well, I was just going to say real quick. We talked about on the Christian Unity episode that we have unity with people from all different denominations. But on Sunday morning, because of our differences on certain things, we do we do go to our own churches. So secondary issues can be very important. Um, I I think the sacraments and the sacraments kind of do play into the regulative principle principle of worship, but the sacraments are important. How are the sacraments practiced? Obviously, it, you know, you're not going to go to Baptist church right now, Ashley, you're about to have a baby. You mm -hmm. want that baby baptized into the covenant. And um, so the sacraments and even what we believe about the sacraments. Yeah. Well, in, in, in the Belgic confession, it says it maintains the pure administration of the sacraments as Christ instituted them. And so as a Presbyterian, I'm going to see that differently than um, 
if I were a Baptist. And so I'm going to try to find a church that, in my view, is doing the pure administration of the sacraments. Whereas, um, you know, my friend who's a Reformed Baptist is going to find a church that's administering the sacraments purely in, in his view or her view. Right. Right. Exactly. Now, one thing that I am a little bit afraid. Okay. So there's secondary theological issues and then there's secondary things that are not even theological, they're preference issues. Hmm. So um, let me give an example. You know, I visited a church and I, I'm totally fine with musical instruments, but that church like uses an organ. Like That's like really old, not my style. Right. That's almost like a tertiary issue. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> and I've seen people turn issues like that into really, really important issues mm -hmm. and and then have a very difficult find, time finding a church that fits all their preferences and all of their theological understandings. Right. Or like the church didn't have a youth group for my kids age group. Right. Um, which I, I guess to some people that youth group is, is, is very, very important. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I know someone who left our last church cause we played the music too loud. So people leave churches and <laughs> for lots right. of, lots of reasons. Um, but yeah. That probably wasn't a Presbyterian church, right? No. The music too loud. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they exist. But. No, it was a great church, but it was not Presbyterian. Yeah. We don't ever have that problem. Yeah. No yeah, one has corona. yet to leave uh, my OPC because the music is too loud. I was going to say Corona OPC where the music is loud. Um, they turn up that keyboard real loud. So and this is, it's, it's kind of, a, a touchy thing because I get it. I get that there can be preference issues. There was a church that that we visited, and this is years ago, and I did not like it. And I we went out, and my husband did. And but my reasons were all every single one of them were my own preferences. They had nothing to do with anything theological. Mm -hmm. And we ended up at that church for several years. And I'm so grateful that I, you know, my husband said, no, we're, we're going to go here for a while and see how it goes. And, and I'm glad that he did. But so I, I get it. I, I get that there can be things that are not theological that feel very important to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I've talked to people before who will leave a church over these issues and they're constantly leaving churches and looking for new ones. And in some cases have stopped going to church altogether because they can't find a church where they can check off all their boxes and their boxes are not all theological there. There's a lot of preference things on there and nobody should be in that place. Right. At some point you have to say, you know, this church doesn't do this the way I want them to, but you know, it's a, it has all the marks of a true church and on the primary issues, they're solid. And, and, and I mean, I think the fourth commandment and being with God's people is more important than finding the perfect church. Right. For it doesn't family. exist. It doesn't, it absolutely 
doesn't exist. So, well, I, I'd like to just go through, this is not going to be thorough by any means, but I just want to do a quick uh, differences between the denominations. Because when you're looking for a church, the great thing is, is if you know about denominations, you're going to be able to expect certain things. If you know what what the denomination itself holds to. Now, there's denominations like the Southern Baptist Convention, or I, I know they say they're not, not a denomination. I think association. association. Yeah. yeah, and Evangelical Free Church of America says the same thing. So with both the Southern Baptist Convention and Evangelical Free Church, you can go to one that is is completely Reformed Baptist in both of those denominations. And you can go to one that's Arminian. And so you're not going, if you're a Baptist and you're looking for a Reformed Baptist church, you're, and you can call, call up the local Southern Baptist Convention church, the local Evangelical Free Church church, and you, and of course, look on their website. They may say, we hold to this, but you may have to ask a few more questions than you would in a Presbyterian or Reformed church where you know every single PCA holds to the Westminster Standards. Mm-hmm. Right. And we, we know of good, I know of good SBC churches and good EV free churches, but yeah, I've, uh, that's, what's so interesting to me is that from one to the next, they could be like almost opposites <laughs> in their theology. Yeah. Some people do not know this because there's not as many churches left that this describes, but the evangelical free church even allows for pedo baptism. Hmm. So because there, my family has been involved in the free church since its start, my grandparents were actually missionaries with the denomination. I forget what it was called at that time, Swedish free church, maybe um, that I think it was a Swedish free church, a Norwegian free church that came together to form the evangelical free church. And my grandparents were missionaries with the Swedish one in Venezuela when the evangelical free church of America was formed. Mm-hmm. And have uh, lots of family in the denomination. Now, my family and the no- denomination are all Credo Baptist, but the history of the denomination is Lutheran. And so they have continued to allow for Pado Baptism. But at this point, I think that it's been very, very influenced by American Christianity. And so there's not very many Pado Baptist evangelical free churches left. Yeah. Right. I, I, I only know of Baptist ones. From from what I've heard, yeah. But the, but then the SBC is all Baptist, right? So you would not find that in in the Southern Baptist Convention, right? And there's there's other Baptist associations like I've heard of Fire. Okay, I'm not familiar with that one. Okay, maybe I, is I thought it I heard a Reformed Baptist one. I think it I think it's it sounds charismatic, but I'm pretty sure it's a Reformed Baptist Fire. And then I've also heard of um, another association. Arbca, yeah, A- I was A R B C A. I think I'm saying those letters right. Um, there's actually one in in um, in my town. There's an Arbca church, um, and those are confessional Reformed right. Baptist yeah. churches. I think they so, have to sign on to the Baptist, the Second London Baptist Confession. Yeah. So if you if you are a Reformed Baptist and you're looking for a confessional Baptist church which I think is very important. Um, look up on the ARBCA website. They, they'll have a list of all their of all their churches. 
Right. If you know what denomination you'd like to be part of, it's great because you can just go to that website and go to the church finder and they're going to tell you if there's any churches in your area. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm not I'm not sure. So let's talk real quick about NAPARC. Okay, NAPARC is the North American Presbyterian and Reformed Council. And so oh, okay. I'm not going to list every denomination because there's some very tiny ones in there too. But if you want to know what are sound Reformed and Presbyterian churches, you can go to the NAPARC website and look up their denominations. And you can go to the denominational pages, which will tell you about each one. But denominations which are part of NAPARC are denominations like the OPC, which is Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the PCA, Presbyterian Church in America, the RPCNA, which is Reformed Presbyterian Church in North America, the URC. So those are the sorts of denominations that are affiliated with mm-hmm. with NAPARC. Yeah, and there's slight differences between them, but um, you, and if you know, whenever someone asks me, they say, "Hey, I'm I'm looking for a church in my area." I send them the NAPARC Church Finder link because, and, and you know, sometimes they're Baptist, but. I know with NAPARC, you're going to get a confessional church. Um, and so I trust, you know, and, and there's probably some that aren't that great or whatever, but um, I've never been to one that's not good. <laughs> right. So um, I trust NAPARC. Uh, so just so you know, if you ever message me asking me, help you find a church, yeah. I'm just going to send you the NAPARC link and say, I bet you there's one in, in your area. Yeah. And every NAPARC church, practices church discipline. So if any of those churches are doing something contrary to the confessions, there is, there is a framework to follow. Yeah. I'm just going to say this because I know Presby Cast talks about it. There, There is differences among the PCAs, probably more so than the OPCs. I've been to PCAs that look more like OPCs, and I've been to PCAs that seem a little bit more like mega churches. We visited a lot on our travels. And so there's going to be a lot of differences between PCAs. Now, if you're somebody who believes in no instruments and psalm singers, which is if you're a covenanter, the RPCNA is is a denomination that they're they're covenanters. And Mm -hmm. but there's just not a lot of them. That's that's no. There's it's a very small subgroup of 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 NAPARC. The PCA is large. It's a very it's a large denomination. I think three hundred thousand people. Does that sound right? Yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't looked at okay. in a while. The PCA is the I think the largest of the NAPARC churches, and there is a lot. Of, I think it's because it's such a large denomination. That's why there's variation from church to church because it's there's just so many of them um the opc is smaller but still you know there's a lot of opcs but opc churches tend to just be small yeah um, unless you live in grand rapids michigan right <laughs> she goes to an opc mega church there's like 700 people there i've never never heard of an opc that yeah but every i've been in three now just because of circumstances and moving and the largest one I was in had a little bit over a hundred, and the one I'm in now has about fifty. So they they tend to be kind of small um, yeah. churches. I thought ours in in Wheaton was big because it was like two hundred and fifty people. 
that is an OPC megachurch. Yeah, that's, that, that <laughs> is right there. That's what we call the OPC megachurch. If, if you ever listen to the podcast called Mortification of Spin, they always tease Todd Pruitt for being <laughs> a megachurch pastor because his I don't know how big his church is. It's not a megachurch, but it's just funny. They always tease him about that. Right, right. Well, and just for those who don't know, uh, PCUSA is a liberal denomination. We do not recognize it. It's not as we don't recognize it as a true church, and it's not no. part of NAPARC. So, for those are, that aren't familiar with, yeah. with that, yeah. And some P- PCA is quite large. There or PCUSA. There's a lot of PCUSAs. In fact, if you're if you're in like an old town and you see a beautiful Presbyterian building. Most likely, it's a PCUSA. Unfortunately, um, it's it's probably not an OPC or or a PCA. But it's funny because a lot of people, the only Presbyterian they know of is the PCUSA, um, and so I've had to explain to people like not that kind of Presbyterian. <laughs> yeah, okay. I am a Presbyterian, but not not that kind. <laughs> right, because the PCUSA is very very large. So here, here's a couple of questions from the group, and I'll I'll throw this at you, Ashley. So somebody asked, "What is most important, such as the preaching, and not so important, what the worship center looks like?" Mine is an indoor basketball court. I struggle with the look of it since they built the building themselves, so it was planned that way. Music selection is something I feel to be important. So, is she asking, is the look of the building? I'm not sure I understand the question, but is is the look of the sanctuary something that is important, I guess? Um, I would say no. Um, I've been in two mission works or church plants where they're just happy to have a building. So, I, I just really, I can't see why that would be important. Maybe if you grew up in a church that had a very traditional look, maybe stained glass windows or something, that would seem important, but I I don't know. I don't understand why that would be. Um, But yeah. Yeah. You know what? We were in a PCA years and years and years ago, and there was the biggest (laughs) to-do about something in the sanctuary. Like people were angry about it <laughs> my husband and i are like okay it's not that big of a deal that we should be like splitting over <laughs> you know i mean there's nothing wrong with a church trying to make their sanctuary look nice but if they don't have the funds to do that or they're renting i mean out where i live real estate in california is crazy so a church trying to buy their own property i mean it's just it takes forever to even save up that kind of money. Right. So a lot of small churches, you, you're you renting. Sometimes you're renting like a high school's, you know, gymnasium or, you know, it's just you don't have a lot of options. And so I think if that's something that really bothers you, maybe consider why. Like why right. would that – why would that bother you? Um, yeah. Because I don't think I don't think it's very important. She does say music selection is important, which I agree. It is it is really important. If your church is singing Bethel 
church songs, that's not good, you know? Right. I, I actually really like hymnals because you're restricted to the hymnal and all those hymns have been approved. I feel very safe singing a hymnal. Um, I would say that we need to we need to remember to distinguish between doctrine and pre- preference, and we should not make preference a primary issue. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this is the question that comes in a lot, and that is, when is it time to leave a church? Hmm. Wow. <laughs> um. So I think if something is going on that is unbiblical and that could be like elder abuse, like the elders are, I don't know, running rampant with certain things. Um, It could be something you're hearing from the pulpit that you're like, this does not line up with scripture. Um, Although I really think you should talk to talk to your pastor if you think you're hearing something not biblical. Um, I also think it could be worship. If if worship you feel is un, unbiblical, those are the three off the top of my head. Yeah. So I think that there's two there's people in two different situations, and there's people that are new to Reformed theology and they're in a non-Reformed church and are considering leaving the non-Reformed church to go to Reformed church. I think that that is an acceptable reason to leave your church because when Ashley was talking earlier about, you know, what she believed to be the correct administration of the sacraments, that that's an important thing. And if you're in a non-Reformed church, they're not going to be correctly administering the sacraments. And so I think that would be a valid reason to leave a church and go to a new one. The other category of people are people that are in Presbyterian and Reformed churches or Reformed Baptist churches. And they're saying, you know, the doctrine is sound, but there's reasons why I'm not sure we should stay. Hmm. And, and that's more difficult. I, I think whenever you're in that situation, you need to go to the elders and yeah. talk to them. There, there are reasons like distance and there, there can be other reasons too. Um, we were in a PCA that was kind of going through a split and everything was a mess. And we, we did leave cause we didn't want to be part of either situation, but I would say that you want to go and speak with the pastor before you do anything, remove your mem- transfer your membership or anything like that. Go speak to the pastor that in the church that you're going to visit and considering joining. I saw a situation where a family left another Presbyterian church, not in good terms, came to Presbyterian and went to another Presbyterian church. And the pastor that other these are friends of mine that other Presbyterian church facilitated peace with the first Presbyterian church and these people before he'd let them become members. Hmm. And so a wise pastor is, is going to help you um, work through that. Yeah. I would say a bad reason. And we've heard of cases like this where elders have approached you about sin in your life and you say, Oh, I'm just going to get out of here. That's a bad reason to leave a church. You, in fact, you are like, 
being disobedient to the Lord in that case. If yeah, you're rightly being put under church discipline and and fleeing, that would yeah. be a bad reason. Yeah, unfortunately, I know of a couple of those situations mm-hmm. too. Let me move on because we're starting to run out of time to just, this will be the last question. And I know we have not answered everybody's question. Um, And I'll say something in wrapping up. But, well, before I get to this question, if you're going to move, make sure there's a good church there first, (laughs) if Mm -hmm. if at all possible. Um, Like my husband and I are looking to move and we want to be near a good Reformed or Presbyterian church. So if at all possible, but we have people who are in situations that their husband's job has transferred them to the middle of nowhere or We've got several military wives and they're living on a military base wherever and there's just not any reformed churches. So if you were in that situation, there's not many reformed churches. What would you be? There's not any like in driving distance. What would you be looking for in a church knowing that there's not reformed churches? That's hard. I mean, probably a non-denominational church that that is preaching the gospel. It'd be nice if it was Calvinist leaning. It'd be really hard to be at an Arminian church, but because there, there's a lot out there like yeah. Calvinist non-denominational churches. That's what I would look for. But it's hard because you'd have to do a lot of weeding through. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it, you know, if there's some contact you have in the area, I, I think that would be like if you're moving somewhere where your husband's job's getting relocated, maybe he knows someone, you know, who's a Christian in the area that can give a give a recommendation. That's like the best thing, you know. Yeah. And some people do drive two hours to church every day. We've got a few girls in our group. I know one family in particular, they drive two hours to church. They they usually stay in town for the day. They go to somebody's house for lunch and and whatnot, and then go to the evening service and then drive home after that. And you may be in that situation. I'm going to say once again, talk to the, to the pastor at the nearest reformed church to you. Um, you know, if you're in that situation. Yeah, that's really good advice. They'll probably give you tips. I would say like, if you're able drive an hour, you know, I, I knew a family that drove two hours to our church up in Monterey um, every Sunday. If you're able, that's hard. If you have like a lot of little kids or, you know, you yeah. certain, certain situations, you just can't. But I, I honestly think it's worth it to, to, to make the hike. Um, when I first started attending uh, my first OPC, it was 45 minutes. Um you know, and you could, you could have gone, we could have gone somewhere closer maybe, but, um, it's worth it to be, to be at a church that is just a true church and it's, um, preaching the gospel in in the reformed context too. Yeah. We were, I was probably like only 20 minutes from the RPCNA, but my husband and I started dating. He was closer to an hour or 45 minutes to an hour from the RPCNA. And he, he ended up, you know, joining me there. And before we got married, then we got married. We moved somewhere that was a good 45 minutes away from it. And we continued to drive, but then we drove. So we would have been well over an hour from it. And we were not covenanters, even though we were at the church. And so it was that point that we, and I was about ready to have a baby and, 
and whatnot. So at that point, we said we need to look for a different Reformed church that's closer to us. And we had an OPC 20 minutes from us. Nice. And so we did, even though we were not Covenanters, we still stayed in the RPCNA until until we moved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because there wasn't anything, there was not, even though we didn't um, agree with no instruments and exclusive psalmody, it it wasn't a a reason that we saw as a good reason to leave. But distance, and because we had a a good option closer, um, did seem like a reasonable reason. And, And I think both pastors thought that that was the case too. Have you ever come across like the idea that like leaving a church is almost wrong, like in any circumstance. There are denominations, I won't name them, <laughs> even reformed <laughs> denominations that believe that if you leave that denomination for any other denomination, they believe that it is wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah. When I was in my early 20s, I was under that impression that leaving a church, I mean, there were, there were, I mean, I, I didn't know a lot of theology or anything, but I just thought like when I would know of people that would leave our church, like I just was like so shocked. Like, I can't believe that, like <laughs> um, that they would. And so I don't I don't know why it must have been the teaching I was under. Or I, I don't know. I just yeah, was under I, that impression. I kind of see that as a more extreme view. I do think that people leave churches too quickly. I think that that is an issue. I think that people often turn secondary issues and sec- and preferences into primary issues and and leave over that. I think that so that is not a good thing. Um, right. But I but I also think that there are appropriate times to leave a church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I guess I would just I would just say that. So I think we'll, I'm going to try to put some resources in the notes um, this week and we'll move on to our yeah about that this week. And it fits right into our topic. Ding dong, Jehovah's Witnesses. Ding dong, Mormons. Christian, are you ready to defend the faith when false religions ring your doorbell? Do you know what your Muslim and Jewish friends believe? You will if you get Andrew Rappaport's book, What Do They Believe? When we witness to people, we need to present the truth, but it is very wise to know what they believe, and you will get Andrew Rappaport's book at whatdotheybelieve.com. So yeah. there's a video going around. It's a John Christ video. I know some people don't like him. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I'm not even good. That's it's really it has nothing to do with what the. Wait, yeah, why, about that. why don't people like him? Um, he's too critical. No, he, they think he's maybe too liberal or something like that. Oh. I don't know. OK, so I'm not. Even, but this isn't about him. The video he was looking at church. Google reviews. And okay, I have to say the video I know some people on Twitter in our circles were saying he's never funny. That video was pretty funny. It so, was funny. um so the girls in our group decided, "Oh, I'm going to go look at my church's Google reviews." <laughs> and we had we had some fun with this, and I'm not sure some of them whether to laugh or cry. So, I'm going to read a couple of them. Okay. So this person visited a church, I won't say the church name, and she said, you would think this is a non-denominational church. Again, wrong. 
The pastor kept referring to the crowd as Christians. And if you're not one, it was problematic, as if this is a church of Christianity. <laughs> he kept repeating, this is a method for Christians. If you're not a Christian, pray that God would help you convert. She says, what the heck? Pastor so-and-so, he read his Bible word for word. He hmm. didn't even attempt to put his put it in his own words. Yeah. That's rather lazy, right? You should just put it yeah. in your own words. I won't wow. read the, the whole thing. That, is, that truly is like laugh or cry. I was laughing right. a little bit, but towards the end there, I was like, oh, boy. Yeah. Do yeah. you have another one? Yes. Um, I wish I would have known that this church was Bible-based, meaning that, that the pastor would be reading directly from the passage in his monotone voice. <laughs> yep. I mean, it, apparently these people think reading from Scripture is a problem. I, like, I'm not sure what they were looking for, because I did, mm -hmm. this is, I believe this is a church of a girl in our group, okay? I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure it's a fairly reformed church. Um. Oh, oh no, maybe it's not, because it says she's, she said it's non-denominational. It might be Reformed Baptist. This lady says, Toward the end, the preacher almost made it seem as if you were a non-Christian, not even agnostic or atheist, but a non-religious person. Something was wickedly wrong with you, and others were to pray for you. Wow. Now, there was one that I think it was two sisters went and visited, and they walked out. And it was very similar things, and they went home and watched Joel Osteen instead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it says, um, after that first time attending and experiencing that awful service, my sister and I decided to listen from our home to Pastor Joel Osteen on a podcast. Yeah. So I looked up the megachurch in my area. Well, there's like quite a few megachurches in my area. Um, my favorite review was a one-star review. And it literally just said the word poopy. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what the criticism was, but it just said poopy. Um, <laughs> my other favorite review, this, well, this one was kind of sad. It was like, we left this church and Chelsea, you know what you did. <laughs> it was also a one star review. So I'm not sure what Chelsea did, but it was enough to to leave. <laughs> <laughs> you okay over there? Yeah. <laughs> One thing about me, sometimes when I get the giggles, I cannot stop. My husband knows this. And it sometimes it's just over silly things. <laughs> Uh, please don't edit this out. <laughs> you already know me well. <laughs> yeah, I. It's funny because I looked at, I looked, I should have looked at mega churches, but I looked up all the Presbyterian churches that I've been a part of, and none of them had any good. Re I mean, okay, they ha only had good reviews, which I guess is good. I was looking for some creative ones, like you found. <laughs> I should have looked in the in the mega church. So, so I just didn't know. It's just so interesting. The ones that that I read, 
that um like, did they look at the website and realize that it's a Bible-believing church saying things like he read from the Bible and you would think this was a Christian church? I mean, did you think it was Islamic, Mormon? You know? <laughs> so, yeah, we're having a little bit of fun with this, although it is sad. And I think that, it, like, like we said, we're not sure whether to laugh or cry. But I think ultimately it shows the state of American Christianity, which we talked about in our last episode. If you do, if we were to do a, you know, a poll, a large poll in the United States and ask people, are, are you a Christian? So many people who couldn't even tell you the gospel or essentials of the Christian faith would tell you, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church. I believe in Jesus. And so I think it ultimately these church reviews is is a result of what's happened in so much of American Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. It it actually, I mean, if it's funny, but if we take a second and think about it, it's not funny. Right. Because, you know, these people are lost. And um when Joel Osteen is is one of the most popular pastors in the United States. And there are, you know, he's on, I think Larry King asking and Larry King was asking if non-Christians go to heaven. He's almost affirming that they do. Um, that, that's, that shows a sad, the sad state of American Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just saw something like Joyce Myers is incredibly popular. I just saw something that she was reprimanding people with cancer. Their cancer was their fault. And, and she's such a popular teacher in, in the United States, I think across the world too. And when these are the sorts of things you, you see some of these word of faith preachers and they get huge audiences. Like we mm -hmm. look at Benny Hinn and think he's crazy, but he fills, he fills auditoriums. Yeah. Well, people are looking for their ears to be tickled and yeah. they will be at that, at that church. So yeah, I think ultimately that's why Joel Osteen's church is so big, because people are looking for a Christian Tony Robbins. If you don't know who Tony Robbins is, he's kind of a self-help speaker, motivational mm -hmm. speaker. And Joel Osteen really is a Christian Tony Robbins. He's a, mm -hmm. he's a motivational speaker who talks about Jesus and the Bible sometimes. Yeah. So, okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us. If you have any more specific questions about finding a church, you can email us at theologygals at gmail.com and we can try to answer them. But my, my greatest encouragement is find a reformed pastor to talk to. If you're really struggling with how to find a church, it doesn't have to be the church that you're going to attend. But if you have any connections with a good Presbyterian reformed pastor or a reformed Baptist pastor, if you're a reformed Baptist, talk to him and have somebody that you trust to kind of help you navigate the search. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's great advice. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much for joining us. We do have some great episodes coming up. So definitely check us out next in the next few weeks. We will be talking about NAR in the next few weeks and we've got some other great topics. So we'll see you next week.